Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Southern California. How about that? Back from uh, Hawaii. And uh, got back yesterday about 10.30. And uh, got a chance to do my seminar group last night. I have to tell you this, man. If you listen to All Marine Radio and you, you need to do hop in one of these seminars. They're fantastic. And the reason they're fantastic is because of people that are in them. Yeah, it's, look, if you need any testament, I like leave Hawaii early so I so I don't miss it. Yeah, how about that? How about that? So, good morning and welcome. The Mensa brother is going to join me live this morning. So, um, I don't have anything that's really bugging me this morning. Actually, I'll tell you what, interesting discussion last night about infrastructure in your life. And, um, And the structure, the 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 infrastructure of your life. Think about think about your life as a scale. Like this occurred to me the other day speaking, because my hands my hands went up in the air, right? And I went, oh man, that's good. So think of like trauma in your life, your life's a set of scale. You try to stay in some form of equilibrium. Right? And trauma essentially imbalances the scale in a big way. And then what happens is people try to go and with medication, with going to therapy, they try to get the scale back in some semblance of balance. But I would tell you my experience is that doesn't work so well. Okay? And um, I I laugh now when I think of things I do now, things I know how to do now that I used to think I, yeah, you know, I could handle this. I'll, you know, I'll just get through it. And uh it's not funny. So I don't like lack of life. Oh, <laughs> that's really funny because it's not. Because it's so serious. Right? Because it's so serious. And so I look at my life and I think, you know, I went through the, all this stuff and I didn't have anybody set me down and say, hey man, look, think about your life as a scale. You've had all these things that have imbalanced your life. How are you going to balance it back out? What are the things you're going to do to, to, you know, on a daily basis to make sure that, that you live a great life? 
And uh, and I didn't have any. Now the things, you know, think about, and just these are things I've collected from. So think about if you're if you're gone through a lot of traumatic stuff in your life and you're a drinker. Think about waking up every day sober, right? If you struggle with finances, think about when your eyes flutter open in the morning, you have money in the bank and you're not worried about your money. What a relief, huh? Now think that, I do some form of meditation, get my head together. You don't have to sit down and do it for 15 or 20 minutes. You could be like me and, and, and clear your head. And I do that, you know, a couple, three times a day for about two minutes. Just in my mind's eye, what I'm doing is I'm blowing the smoke and venom and the debris out of my ears. And I'm calming my head down. Uh, when I get pissed in Home Depot and I want to kill somebody because they give me the fuck you look, right? I know how to just take a breath, hold it, and when I spit the breath out, I spit the venom, my hatred, the fact that I want to kill this person, um, out, and I go on about my business. I know physical fitness is half for my brain, and I know I've got to talk about it, and I have people to talk to. All that infrastructure exists in my life every day now. I mean, think about that. It didn't used to. I mean, and, and so you can see why the scale's imbalanced. So interesting discussion about that and about the organization of your day and how do you do that and, and do you do it every day? And uh, and so, so I mean, I, 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 honestly, I have, I think, the most interesting discussions with the people that, that are in these groups because uh, we all come from similar backgrounds, have struggled with many of the same things. And, uh, and so they're just, they're awesome discussions. So my, and my point in saying all this is if you have not, right, hopped into one of the, these and you have, you know, and you have trauma in your background, I would tell you by all means, right, um, by all means, hop in and you will, I mean, the people in these groups are amazing, amazing human beings that have been through incredible stuff and do nothing but inspire you and and uh, and help you by what they share. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. This whole concept of a scale is in my head now, right? Um, how do you balance the scale? And that's what post traumatic winning does. It takes a scale that's imbalanced, right? Essentially, the scale is on the floor when trauma's kicking your ass. And it shows you how to get the scale to a form of equilibrium. And then, and then it shows you how to dominate the scale and put more weight on your side of the scale so that you go to this very cool place. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the people there are, are very inspiring. So, anyway. So, on this Thursday morning, good morning to you. United States Marine Corps Band makes it official. dedicated to uh, the people I met in uh, Hawaii at the commander's course there, pac Aft commander's course. Um, I spent the afternoon with um, majors, lieutenant colonels, their spouses, colonels. And uh, I mean, what an awesome experience. Um, I'll tell you, you know, real, real very quickly, um, 
they had heard about my presentation from their friends that had been in previous classes. And I had guys come up to me before it started and said, hey, you're Mac. I said, why, does he owe you money? <laughs> and they said, no. I said, oh, yeah, that's me. And uh, they said, we've heard about you. We heard this is really good. I said, well, thank you. Uh, it is good. You know, it's good because of all the contributions different people have made. And, and it's good because it works. And it's good because you can do this. No doubt in my mind. You can do this. And so, uh, no, I just met a whole bunch of great people. And it was a, it was an awesome, awesome experience. So I uh, headed back there again in a month. And looking forward to that. So this is dedicated to uh, uh, the spouses and the the officers uh, who attended the Air Force Pacific Commanders course. Going still going on right now, but uh, just a uh, absolutely fantastic time. Thank you. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Time for us to check the news in Marine Land here. East Coast warmed up. Partly sunny 77. Down the coast, yeah, that's in Quantico. Down the coast, Camp Lejeune, it is sunny in 79. Tornado Palms has cooled off, actually. Sunny in 67 right now out there. Pendleton, sunny in 60. Yeah, my cousin Patty flying down today. You know, her son, John, coming home. He's a uh, infantry officer in 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. They've been gone, I think, about 10 months. So, get to see Johnny Boy today down at Pendleton. Fired up about that. Uh, currently cloudy in 60 there. Uh Dark cloudy in 69 at Camp Smith in Hawaii. Camp Smith overlooks Pearl Harbor. I didn't know that. Uh, in Okinawa, dark cloudy in 81. If it's 81 in Okinawa, what is it in Darwin? It is dark cloudy in 78. In Norway, partly sunny in 59. In, uh, let's see. In the Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area, Southern California, it is 62 degrees under 
partly sunny skies. Looking for a high today of 67, 68 tomorrow, 67 on Saturday, and 68 on Sunday. That is a look at your weather. The only real news story. The only real news story that I would talk about today is like, well, there's two. One just is I just think is absolutely stupid, and that is the mayor of Chicago will only grant in-person interviews to reporters of color. I didn't think that we did that. Could you? The only reason she gets away with that is because she's black. Could you imagine if a white mayor said, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I will, you know, I'm gonna race test this thing." What? Hey, here's an idea for everybody. How about we judge people? This is a novel idea. This just came to me. How about we judge people according to the content of their character? Yeah, I just made that shit up. And not by the color of their skin. How about that? How about that for a thought? Oh, you mean Martin Luther King said that? About what? 55 years ago on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial? That someday... Maybe his kids kids would be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Huh. Imagine that. Um, Yeah. But the story that I, I want to talk about is what is the Biden administration doing, you know, backing off, sanctioning, sanctioning, all these companies that are building this Russian gas pipeline into Europe. What the fuck is that? I mean, if if Donald Trump did that, people would be going hysterical talking about how, you know, Putin owns Trump, blah, 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 fucking blah, let alone that you're facilitating, right, Russia's economic development. And remember, Russia about the size of... Uh, of what? It's smaller than Canada's economy, smaller than South Korea's, and you're facilitating it. So I, I I look at that and like, what the fuck are we doing? And then, oh, by the way, what a coincidence. We're making overtures to Iran, and Hamas decides they're going to shell Israel. So I'm not going to get the Ouija board out too early this morning, but you don't have to be a fucking genius to figure this shit out. So speaking of fucking geniuses, joining me from Southern California is Jeff Kenny. Jeff, uh, how are you? Good, Mac. How are you? How are you guys? I see Will, too. Is Tim there? I don't see Tim yet, although he may be here. I don't see him. Um, I'm well. I'm well. Thank you very, very much for your help this week. I appreciate it. No problem. Um. Your folks should call, uh, you know, the, um, Fro? yeah, they should call, um, yeah, Lori's phone is ringing with, from you guys. No, it's ringing from Tim. I think it's Tim trying to get in anyway, but anyway, uh, yeah, they should, uh, start calling like around 11 to see if there's changes, you know? Got it. Got it. Big day. Big day. Yeah. That Fro is pretty good. Fro's go to, uh, you know, she's Uh-oh. got her finger on the pulse as much as she can. All right, well, we have to. Uh... It's weird because the Navy will not allow. Um, they would not allow anybody to get em- debarked at 32nd Street. So all the rolling stock, all that stuff, is basically a major amphibious op that's coming off at Red Beach and a little bit at uh, Del Mar because uh, because of COVID, the uh, Admiral wouldn't let them. Uh, the Navy powers that be wouldn't let them do anything at 32nd Street. That's awesome. That's awesome. Joining us from the greater Kansas City area is uh, Tim is unbelievable. I'm here. I know. Close your mouth when you join us, okay? You look like a 90-year-old man when you do that (laughs) shit. You've got your stupid-ass glasses on, and there's this blue reflection, and your mouth's hanging open. You look like some dude on Sanford and Son or some shit. Yeah. (laughs) Will Cosentini. Uh, I at least have clear glasses on now. But they they join in the center. They don't even join like most glasses. Oh no, these are clicket glasses. Aren't they cool? <laughs> yeah. Holy. Yeah, man, magnets. Wait, do that Look again. That stuff. Do that again, Jeff. Watch this. I saw it. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. That's good stuff, man. Will, how are you? We're doomed. 
<laughs> I think we're already there, though. Yes. Yeah. It's well, kind of in Kansas City, it's been it's been raining for a week, and with the price of lumber, we can't even afford to build an ark. So we are doomed. <laughs> there you go. Papyrus, <laughs> man. Get it to the river. <laughs> what about uh, Tiki? <laughs> Timmy, what about you? How are you? So everything in McAllen? Uh, today it's sunny and warm, and that's kind of nice because we've had two days of heavy rain, and this place doesn't tolerate rain well. But it drains quickly, sort of like Jalalabad. Matter right. of fact, exactly like Jalalabad. Tell us about your tattoos. Now that we can see them today. Oh, Eagle Globe uh, and Anchor. We're from Eagle Globe and Anchor. That. What's that one? This one is it says from the shadows in latin it's an eclipse it's from the eclipse group <clears throat> oh this this would be uh, i think only four people in the world have rate this tattoo and i'll be explaining the eclipse group if i ever finish my friggin book but you guys are familiar with the uh the spy uh the spy stuff that happened in in afghanistan right dewey claridge new york times big huge investigation sound familiar no yes yeah. Well, anyway, that 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 investigation was uh, was massive, but it was it involved basically the program I was part of, and uh, cost were, me a lot of money. Were you a spy? But, Can you talk about it? You know, is that, I, the, is I, that I, the right I'm, word? I'm looking more forward to talk about this after after the book's out. I, I guess you could say you said did did you run a rink? Did I have collection agents and whatnot? No, yes, I did. No, I, I said, were you a hunt. spy? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Hey, dude, I got pinched you know, coming across the border in Pakistan in Afghan clothes, and the first thing they said is, you're a spy. And I had a sticking thumb drive stuck up my bum, too. Oh, it was, uh, but it was, I got out of it quite easily. <laughs> it was, uh, it was interesting. Really? That's is the wrong a, place to hide stuff. Is there a technique? How do you use, <laughs> how's the, how do you use a thumb drive after you stuck it up your ass? I mean, is it, is it encased in anything? Yeah, I went to go poo again. But is it encased in anything? Oh, it's because in plastic and stuff. Yeah, oh, okay. I was going to say. Hey, we're doomed. I know. Yeah. You know, I've never had anybody actually admit that they were a spy on my program before. This is kind of a novel. Oh, how well, do you? Yeah, but, what's the appropriate? What's the appropriate industry remember, phraseology? You, they guys don't don't say like I was a spy. What do they say in your line of work? I, I don't know because I'm, I don't consider myself to be an intelligence asset. You know, the, the, the thing that pissed me off is when the New York Times broke the story, which I remain convinced was because we were embarrassing the CIA with the amount of information we we're getting. Uh, they painted us as a awesome. bunch of amateurs, a bunch of kooks who didn't know what they're doing, right? Now, I'm going to real quick show you what was in my butt. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This is going to be an all-time low for this program. Holy okay. cow. That was in your butt? How'd you get the frame in your butt? It was in no, this is a, this, a this is what was on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was what was on the thumb drive. Woo! So and you're like Papillon. You're like the Steve McQueen of Jalalabad. <laughs> do, you know what this, do you know what this is right here? That's a yeah. huge frame. Plans, I can't believe you got it in your ass. proposed double-story house to be built in Garda Cantonment area of Batabat. Wow. Of Batabat. So, so we that, sent this in in 2008 and said, that's some of the pictures right there. Right. 2008, Mac. So I don't, I, right. I'm writing a book because I don't want to be going down in history as being some kind of clown that was over there running a, a, a half ass operation. But exactly why I never wanted to talk about this. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. Oh. The most impressive thing, though, is you getting that frame up your ass. Now, what, is there no, a trick to that? Thumb drive. Oh. Was the, thumb drive. the most impressive part was getting kicked loose on a Saturday night in, in Peshawar and knowing exactly what to do. I was like friggin' uh, not, that that I thought was kind of fucking fun. But it was not a it was it was a it was all my fault. I I I. I it's it's one of those things that just irritates me to think about, like, but it was cool. But it, cool it makes the book better, right? Spy yeah. to homeless. That's not an easy one to pull off, Timmy. Oh, bro! Oh, homeless because of that. You see, as 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 a result 
of all these investigations that never went anywhere into this program, a couple of things happened. One, I flew into CENTCOM and talked to Rutherford, got got uh, got hauled up in front of the lawyers. That was interesting. Actually, it was fun, a lot of fun. It was good to see uh, General Allen again. And, uh, and <laughs> General Mattis saw me walking in. He's looking at me. What the fuck is Lynch doing? That was that was interesting. And two, there was a 1099 sent for my entire operation budget for one of those years when they got busted. I, my ex got it. I didn't get it. But it showed up in divorce court. And it's like, whoa, look at that. You earned $800,000. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't even work for this company. It was uh, that's what drove me into the homeless situation. It was a it was not fun. This has got a chance to be an epic book. Oh, dude! Well, but I think all, you should say that all, you got that frame up your ass, though. That would make it even better. Of all the things I did in Afghanistan, setting up that network in Eastern Afghanistan was the easiest. It was friggin' child's play. And I think we we gave out good stuff. My guys did not find this this uh, place in Abbottabad. That was another guy's. Uh, uh, that was another uh, principal's um, agents that found that. If you want to call them that. What is a principal? What does that mean? Is that spy? Well, you had, is that you spy had in this organization. You had three expats in inside Afghanistan, three outside of Afghanistan. The three outside of Afghanistan had more more and deeper ties than we did for a variety of reasons but we were the guys that were there it was it was it was a very unique organization i don't even know who all was involved that was very very compartmentalized but um it was uh i don't i don't i, I think we did good work i've got photographs of three places in Quetta where mullah omar stayed i mean once we turned on the spigot uh that shit just didn't stop flowing in you know, because Afghanistan information is supposed to be commodity, a commodity. That's everybody's waiting. When are you going to pay me? Oh, well, then I'll tell you. Sure. No, it was quite unique. But, uh, you know, in the big scheme of things, probably not that big a deal. Well, and with the exception of that one about a bad thing, which everybody had pretty much ignored. But allows me to be a, you know, hero in my own mind. <laughs> and that's the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. I feel better about myself, you know? Jeff and Will, we don't really need you today. We just stumbled into a great story. So, Timmy, um, Tim Lynch, friend of mine, spy. Um, all right. Well, you got to ask, how did I get, how did they find me? How did who find you? I'll answer that. I'll answer for you. Because I was a fucking criminal. I was the guy to go to if you wanted beer. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me ask you a Will question. That is true. Is there a a statute of limitation that applies to this? Because Jeff almost got thrown in the brig here about a year ago for admitting ordinance violations that he should never have admitted live on the radio. But is there anything? A brain damage thing. You just say... (laughs) Hey, dude, I don't, I don't think so. Timmy, what? Timmy was the go-to guy for booze and Jalabad. I mean, not that I ever got any because I wouldn't do it, but uh, he always. Yeah. Was, I wouldn't have given it to you anyway. Hey, it's like Lex Diamond. You see something there? Huh? You just saw learning. Jeff, instead of admitting committing felonies, denied them. Well, I. We can all I, learn. If I could have got all my guys drunk, I would have done it, but I couldn't. You know. You can't oh. trust. You can't trust your men to UCMJ. <laughs> exactly. Only a few, and, so and they'll never to, keep it a secret. Hey, to, hey, yeah. Colonel Kenny, he's the best. You know he's prior enlisted. He got us uh, all that, drunk. That, that, that Colonel can't be going out to Thursday night happy hour at the Tosh. His staff could. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, not, right. not that I would. Not that I would encourage that. Are you telling me those fuckers snuck out after? No, I just even... just the two, just the two, <laughs> just the intel officer. She was uh, she was doing intel stuff. Exactly. Well, she's not technically mine. Yeah. You know her there brother. You her brother was the asshole company commander in Black Hawk Down. Not her brother, her cousin. Um, no, I, I I heard all about it, man. Yeah. Never, she she married my my Australian partner, Shem. All They've right. been married for years. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me dial this shit back in. Okay, okay. I know you guys have, are having a personal conversation right here, but. Sorry. Let's talk about um, let's talk about Hamas. What are we doing as a country? <laughs> any idea? Do we have any idea what the fuck we're doing as a country? No, n- my opinion, no. And number two about Hamas, Hamas is the is like Hezbollah. They're 
they're basically totally just Iran's proxy. And uh, they're doing what they say. And this whole thing is contrived by Iran to put pressure on us to do, you know, certain things regarding their uh, nuclear, you know, uh, program and to alleviate sanctions. And that's it. Will, Tim, thoughts? How popular is Hamas in Jordan? How popular is Hamas in Kuwait? The Palestinians have been run out of every stinking country they've gone into because they're a bunch of ingrates. And they're, they're not pleasant people. There never was a Palestine. I, I, uh, I, 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 I hate this entire thing because they're always painting Israel as a bad guys. Hamas says these poor abused locals that just want to get their land back. And it's not even remote. It's, it's like it's like Black Lives Matter or any other thing these days. It's not built on a foundation of truth. It's not at all historical. You're right about that. Same. Mm-hmm. It's the same as Black Lives Matter. It's the same. Same tactic. thing. Same tactic. It's the same well, tactic. I so mean, I, I get, I get it. I, you know, AP doesn't know that uh, Hamas has a uh, or Hezbollah has an office in their in their building. Get the fuck out of here, man! Come on. Yeah. So I mean, Hamas is not the Palestinians, right? Hamas runs Gaza, uh, and the the sort of the children of the Yasser Arafat organization run the West Bank. Oh, what's Hamas? They had, they had sorry. What is Hamas? Are they Palestinian? Yeah, they are, but they only control Gaza. Okay, I got you. I think they had an election there in like the 2008 or nine or some time period where Hamas won in Gaza, uh, but then they sort of split. And so the Palestinian Authority that we recognize, I don't know if we recognize them, yeah, a deal with them, is, yeah, is a boss, and that's in Ramallah, which is in the West Bank. And uh, Hamas gained a certain amount of, of popular, uh, you know, they're, they're popular in Gaza because they have a very extended organization. They did schools, they did relief, and they ended up coming where international donors would filter that money through the Hamas organization as relief, uh, but then part of it would get siphoned off to the warfighting side of Hamas. And... Uh, you know, I th- I think that the you know the Israelis it, the politics in Israel is very similar <clears throat> to politics in the United States. It it's a forty eight forty eight and four split there, uh, and so Hamas attempting to drive a wedge maybe because the Israelis I think have had three elections in the last year. They've been very inconclusive. Yep. Uh, Netanyahu is not particularly popular, um, but the Israelis, I think, have attained a position where, you know, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, they uh, since since Jimmy Carter, the Israelis have been dependent on the United States. We give them like five billion dollars a year in aid, which used to be a significant pile of money. I believe now that Israel between their pharmaceutical industry, their computer industry. Um, you know, U.S. aid, free money, is always good, um, but it ain't like they rely on it. And so uh, they also have seen that the rest of the Arab world has finally figured out it's you don't get a lot of value out of shitting on Israel when your enemy is Iran. And so the Israelis are are emboldened um, to finally solve their problem with Hamas. And, uh, you know, the the United States government looks just so inept. And the beauty of this is it's going to blow up the Democratic Party because the old line Democratic Jews, you know, were hyper pro-Israel. And now you've got people, uh, you know, Ilhan Omar and uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib and that crew are openly siding with an organization that the United States has designated as a terrorist organization, Hamas. But Will, Will, one thing to point out, though, uh, the Jewish population in the United States is not uh, monolithically behind Israel. Yeah, absolutely not. to, To include like guys like the guy who owns New York Times consistently vote against the interests of Israel. I mean, uh, do they think they're not, that they're not Jews anymore just because they're not practicing? Yeah. Like uh, there's him, there's uh, 
for George Soros for Maverick. If he thinks he's not a Jew, he's got another thing coming. Because if those, those people ever get in charge, they get a hold of him. He's as dead as a rabbi, you know, and uh, that's what they don't really seem to understand. Yeah. And, you know, significant pro-Israeli support in the United States comes from the evangelical right. community. The uh, but, it, you know, you really put the handcuffs on the administration when the far, far left uh, is openly in support of a declared terrorist organization. Um, so, you know, I, I, uh, I think the Israelis uh, have probably recognized a moment in history when it's time to um, have a killer instinct and finish this off once and for all in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, they've been wa- they've been waiting for this. I mean, w- w- oh yeah, right. They sit there and they update target lists every day. They collect intel. They update target lists every day. And when somebody gives them the pretext to begin to service those targets, they're going down the list. Oh, Joe Biden expects a large de-escalation. Hey, look, that's just self-generated g- generating smoke, right? We get that. Everybody's going to make their statements. We know what we're doing. And as Will said, look, and, and, and this is, um, you know, at the end of the Trump administration, you had Saudi Arabia waiting to see what was going to happen in the American election and were supposedly on the verge of recognizing Israel. Now, imagine that in our lifetime, Saudi Arabia recognizing Israel, because as Will just alluded to, the true fight, right, is the Arab world against Iran. Iran is the threat. Okay, and they and everybody knows it. And why, again, the Biden administration with their actions here low in these, what, four and a half months have emboldened Iran, right, by whatever overtures we've made, has emboldened Iran. And now, you know, and and you begin to see things like this. And I I hope I hope Israel completely disregards, you know, what Joe Biden has to say and does the right thing. And because, as Will said, you know, you, Mac, you're right. It's like what's happened is with the election of of Joe Biden, they've that party and particularly his administration has embraced this kind of like poisonous nostalgia for the way things were pre 2016, where you could uh, you could play you could have all these like supposed givens, you know, that really weren't true. And you just named the big one, you know, about the fact that it's Iran who's the big threat to the Arab world, not Israel. And so, but now they refuse to believe it, not only in regards to uh, the Middle East with the, the Jewish problem, the Iranian problem, also like the whole thing with the pipeline, things that are actually in their best interest to continue. They've uh, they've discontinued just because it was started under the last administration. And it's head scratching, Jeff. It's like, is it just to be because Donald? Trump, well, look, I, I say this about Bill Clinton. If you can't build, admit that Bill Clinton, in spite of being a human, you know, piece of shit, right? Was a was a great politician, right? I mean, he as a politician, he was he was outstanding. If you can't admit that. And you can't see that, you know, then again, I apply the same thing to Donald Trump. What he did vis-a-vis that pipeline was in America and and European best interest, right? right? What he did relative to Iran, right, was in the Arab world's interest and our interest. Him taking it on China the way he took it on. I mean, I hope we don't do another about face and leave that policy. It doesn't look it looks like that's the one they will leave in place. But I agree with you. Are they just doing it? Because, yeah, it's not. I'm just blown away because lay out the the path for me that makes this a good thing. Right. And and I I just don't I, I just don't see it. It's just to me stupid. So. There's something else going on too, and that's our, our our energy independence that we generated in the last four years. You know, yeah. when 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 Dubai allows Israel to build a synagogue in Dubai, I mean that's something I never thought I would have heard heard of before. But Dubai and Kuwait need Israeli technology. They need Israeli agricultural technology. The Israelis are are a 
incredibly productive people. They've got they've got uh, uh, hot houses that you can put up for plastic for cheap that survive the Hellman sunshine. Afghanis wouldn't use them because they're they're it's hard to get them to change. But they I mean they've got great products, and the rest of the Arab world is accessing Israel because it makes smart business sense to do so with an energy independent United States that could make the Middle East irrelevant again. You know. So it's there's a lot going on there that uh, that favors the reality based humans who understand the history and, and can see with their own two eyes the consequences of actions. I mean, moving that damn embassy to Bethlehem was was or what Jerusalem? Jerusalem. Excuse me. It was Jerusalem. Excuse me. Yeah, that was a stroke of genius. I was going to say. I was going to say. When the hell did that happen? Who knew? No, I'm sorry. Who moved? Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. The fundamental, yeah, no. hey, the fundamental been, Christians, they'd be all about it. That's where it should have been the whole time. Yeah. The um, all right. Let me uh, let me go down a few topics. Um, in our 19 minutes left here. Um, my uh, I call him my nephew, but my cousin's son uh, comes back today. He's with one four, so I got to pick my cousin up at the airport. And thanks to Jeff. Help me out with some information. Uh, go down and uh, uh, pick up my nephew. All right, first uh, first subject. What the hell is going on? Um, I, I, let me just read you a little paragraph. And this is from a story in Marine Corps Times. Why the Corps' future may sideline its infantry. Um which is interesting. So we're how many years? Two years into this, um, you know, going into the third year of this uh, Force Design 2030. Is it, it seems longer than that. Um, and, and here's a question. Can you answer this for me? Um, why does the entire Marine Corps have to be tailored to a littoral fight in the, in the South China Sea vis-a-vis China? Why does the entire force it'd be like configuring the entire force to fight in the med when we were rolling like you know i i don't i don't can somebody explain so i'll read your quote no longer can the marine corps be made up of three expeditionary forces that look mostly identical and deploy the marine expeditionary units that are almost identical friedman says this is ba friedman he's a he's a uh smart guy um, got out of the Marine Corps here, I think, within the last 24 months. And um, so we're going to move away from three Marine Expeditionary Forces that looked almost identical to three new Marine Expeditionary somethings that look almost identical. Does that make sense to you? Well, it's not accurate. I mean, they're not – I don't think they're remotely identical, the three MEFs. Explain you know? Well, they have the same word, MEF, you know, Marine Expeditionary Force. Right. But like the three MEF, um, two thirds of their ground combat powers just bled off the other two uh, MEFs, you know, from UDP and stuff like that. Right. And the uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking in code right now. So, uh, okay. three MEF is out in the Pacific, right? Pacific, okay. mostly in Okinawa, but partially in Hawaii. Okay, explain where their units come from. Their units, uh, their infantry units, and some of the other and artillery units are. Um, they are uh, deployed temporarily for six months at a time from the other two MEFs. So a battalion that's in the in Camp Lejeune in the Second Marine Division will go to the uh, Third Marine Expeditionary Force for six months at a time. So basically, you know, it's not they're not um, you know the, the same the they're not uh, resident units of that. The the guys in Hawaii. Um, that's one regiment, you know, that uh, does the same thing. They also send people to, uh, you know, to that part to that part of the Pacific. Um, it's just totally different. And then the second Marine Expeditionary Force is significantly less, um, you know, less powerful or less capable than the first Marine Expeditionary Force, and that's on purpose because the Marine Corps made its warfighting Expeditionary Force to be. The first, which is headquartered in California and partially, you know, the headquarters in Hawaii also. So it's like they're not identical. So you would disagree with the fundamental yes. you know, statement. Okay. Yeah. But but again, so everything but everything you've seen with Force Design twenty thirty is 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 then making his previous statement true. 
that we are yeah. going to have littoral forces around the globe, you know, whether it's appropriate that we're littoral or not. Yeah, there's still a lot of unanswered questions. I mean, it's a... Uh, so at know, what point we're making equipment decisions, we're making all kinds of... At what point does this thing, this concept, you know, after 24 months... At what point does it? I, I don't know. So I'm reading that, and I'm and I don't know. I, I'm, I, it seems really weird to me for a very niche mission to design the whole force. I mean, if it, this niche mission, and from what I can tell, when they talk about companies having to take on responsibilities, battalions and squads take on responsibilities of companies, it seems like a MARSOC type of mission. Right. You're going to need Superman Marines, and you're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to get many of them, train many of them, or keep many of them. So it's like exactly. that's Marsock in a in a in a nutshell. You're um, talking so why being expanded to like sixteen weeks? But sixteen weeks is shit. I and mean, that's the beginning. Yeah, yeah we're Royal talking, Marines. You Royal need Marines five five and a half year enlistments. They're talking, and and how are you going to sell that? Well, yeah. not only that, Royal Marines train for 11 months, and they train in small, cohesive units to graduate from boot camp. And I would say that the average Royal Marine after 11 months is better than the average U.S. Marine after 11 months. The difference is we got a hell of a lot more of them. Uh, we do different missions. But if you want a commando-type force, oh, expand an SOI three weeks, give me a fucking break. It's ridiculous. And look, like it or not, you're going to mix boys and girls. You're, 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 it just doesn't work, folks. Yeah, you may have just hit on the reason why it's, it's, it's a mystery because all this stuff that's been brought in in regards to social engineering about the population within the uh, DOD may be having an effect on the progression of the force design. You understand what I mean? No. Like, yeah. I like stop. Oh, that's a depressing thought, though. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it is know, depressing. But in the think, words, think of this, too. In the words of a great man, we're doomed. You know? <laughs> I mean, think of this. If, if you're telling me that a platoon is going to have to take on a company mission, a company battalion mission, how long do we take to train a second lieutenant? Mm. You know? To be a to be a 0302 platoon commander, in theory, OCS is what ten. Six. Yeah. OCS is 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 five and a half months. So now you're at eight months. I think IOC that I think that months. when they write that shit, so you're gonna yeah. you're gonna give who launch authority over that battery? That's yeah, exactly it. That's bullshit. Well, so here's the other thing I think. Do people think because of the great ability to do digital command and control that some guy sitting back at Camp Pendleton or Colorado Springs is just going to be moving these right. little icons out and be able to make all the decisions from way back on high. One big BFT. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> well, don't and, doubt and, people. And you know what? And and that's what we're used to. But when then when digital comm goes down exactly. and, and you look at him and say, so you're going to give that sergeant launch yeah. launch authority over the, those those finite missiles in that battery? Yes. Yeah, your 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 two general theories crash yeah. right there. Right. Yeah. So and, and again, but I, we're I, 24 months into it, and again, the fight in North Korea. If you're a littoral force, we're not we're not playing. We're not the, we're not a close with force anymore. I just don't see Congress – again, we, we've had this conversation, but has Congress reconciled what the Marine Corps is actually going to be, this light defensive force that doesn't close with – I mean, that's a lot of money. Why do you think anyone in Congress is even fucking paying attention? If this thing can spend more money, Congress will be all for it. And be inclusive to women because of all your launching is rockets. Like, like I'm just telling you, Congress – they're interested in how do you spend more money, particularly in my district. Who are the statesmen in Congress who are looking out for the national defense right now? <laughs> Either side of the aisle. Name Cotton, one. maybe? Cotton, Cotton, maybe. Yeah. And, and unfortunately for him, he's got the entire agenda that he's mm. got to defend and attack. And mm. so when it gets down to the roles and missions of the Marine Corps, the last thing that I want is a former army captain who's yeah, a that's right. up there defending it. 
There you go. Right now, he's doing that's, a better job than a commandant. That's what you have. Um, can General McKenzie's got to get to Secretary Austin a series of recommendations about influencing Afghanistan from afar? <laughs> will? <laughs> no, 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 not will. Will that work? Jeff, you go first, so you can't copy anyway. Well, if they bribe them, if they keep paying their salaries, they'll hang. You know, if they keep paying their salaries, there's a three hundred over three hundred thousand people in the Afghan security forces. Um, traditionally, as long as they're getting money, they'll stay. During the uh, during the Soviet adventure in Afghanistan, they pulled out in 1989, but they still kept paying the salaries of the army. When they stopped paying the salaries, when the, when they went belly up, that's when Afghanistan went belly up and descended into this like dystopian horror story. You know that uh, that culminated in the rise of the Taliban. So yeah. So so step step one is keep paying them. Yeah. And then Tim thoughts. Yeah. The uh, like like Jeff is exactly right. If you've got an embassy in Kabul, you better be paying them, or you're going to lose those people to hostages. I've talked about that. But the article was referring to General McKenzie's desire to base permanently aircraft in other countries outside of Afghanistan. And all we need to do is talk about material readiness issues. We've been talking about material readiness issues. You're going to have to, as as General McKenzie pointed out, increase the number of aircraft because of the distance to transit. It's going to eat up too much time, so you need more. I don't believe that we are in a position to permanently base fleets of aircraft in Central Asia. I, I think that's crazy, and I don't think they're going to have any influence whatsoever on Afghanistan. Afghanistans will take air delivered ordinance and just treat it like it was a bad typhoon. You know, they're used to it. It doesn't bother them a great deal. So I, I think that entire the entire thing that General McKenzie is trying to do is is a, is ridiculous. If we had if we, we had a competent anything, we would base our, our stuff out of Pakistan because Pakistan would have been cooperating with us. But they haven't. They've just been taking our money and screwing us for 20 years now. And they'll continue to do so. Got it. Well. Yeah, you didn't ask the most important question. Most important question is, who cares? You <laughs> care. If you care and Jeff cares and Tim cares, you're the majority of the people in the United States that care, right? The president doesn't care. The vice president doesn't care. The secretary doesn't care. The chairman doesn't care. The chief of staff of the Air Force might care. Who else cares? There, I can't remember and since I've lived in Kansas City a single conversation. Nobody cares about Afghanistan. That's a different question, Will. The question to you as a retired Marine Corps colonel was, do you think it will work? Who cares? That's a different (laughs) question. I'm asking, based on your military expertise, do you think we can influence Afghanistan like that? No, no, it's ridiculous. Okay. That's the question. That's the answer to the question. All right. the last time we tried this kind of bullshit in Iraq, we were there to prevent Saddam from flying aircraft over and shooting Kurds. Taliban aren't flying aircraft anywhere. Look, just tell those people. You did this, and we came. And we fucked up, and we stayed. Okay, but now we're leaving. Don't do this again. <laughs> Don't do this again. There you go. That Those words are what? 19 years, right, in the making? I mean, should have been delivered 19 years ago, as yeah. we as we left. Um, I um, I was in Pearl Harbor, so I get there Sunday. <clears throat> I leave my distinguished visitor quarters, and I head out the back way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hold, hold on, Air Force distinguished visitor. Quarters. Holy shit! That's like holy smokes, man! Exactly. Like the story. <laughs> exactly. That's because you told him you were Robert McNamara's <laughs> grandson. Exactly. <laughs> so I wind up at the mouth of Pearl Harbor, where I come out. So on this on this on this walkway, and I look and I'm looking at it, thinking, you know how many guys floated out of this harbor, looking at that and the expanse of the Pacific in front of them, right? going not for a seven-month deployment, for the duration until it was decided. And so I, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, that's a sacred place, right? So I'm looking at it, and then I'm thinking of a picture, and I'll show you guys a picture, but this is a picture of my uh, grandmother's brother. 
Um, his name was Henry Metzger, Hank Metzger. He was a lieutenant on the USS Halligan, right? A Navy lieutenant. He was a third in command. He was a gunnery officer. And so I couldn't remember what ship he was on. And so I thought, you know, that guy sailed out of here and he never went home. So I think that would make him my great uncle or something like that. But anyway, I look up the Halligan. The Halligan is everywhere in the Pacific and World War II, right? In the Battle of Samar, right? Hmm. A destroyer squadron gets sent after the initial contact to support the Halligan's part of it. Part, he's part of the gunnery operation uh, at Iwo Jima. The Halligan's part of it. They then leave Iwo Jima, go back to Ulithi, get sent to Okinawa for that, and they're participating in that. They go to sweep uh, to support minesweepers working off the um, western coast of Okinawa, and a mine detonates adjacent to their forward magazine. 150 of 300 you know, sailors and officers killed. 19 of 21 officers are dead. And, the, and, the, and there's a few pictures of the, of the ship. The front third is blown off to include the bridge. And, you know, and uh, I remember my grandmother, you know, in a, in a little bit she talked about it. She talked about, I mean, think about this. Her only son, she got a telegram, right? She got a telegram and never got his body back. His, his name's on the punch bowl um, uh, in Hawaii. And uh, so it's just really interesting, but I, it's ironic, right? And here's this, I mean, the gunnery officer on this, you know, sitting up in that little perch, right? You know, aiming and target assignment on Iwo Jima and Okinawa and all that. And uh, and then, you know, in a flash, loses his life and the body right. never recovered. But uh, Pearl Harbor to me is, I don't know. I mean, I, we all love history, but, I mean, it's really cool. And then I, I then... The base historian for Hickam, I see at a reception. And so I see him on Monday, and I said, so do you have time tomorrow morning? He says, I do for you. And because uh, <laughs> he knows, like, he said, you know the questions that you were asking me last time? He said, I, I just don't get those questions very often. You know, and he said, I said, he said, what time? I said, I don't care, zero eight. He said, how about zero nine? I said, okay. So so he met me on that quay wall, and we, so we start talking. And he takes me to a camp called Camp Catlin. It's now a housing project. He said this was a huge Marine Corps processing for, you know, Marines came into Hawaii, you know, and uh, and they went different places. You know, not everybody went up to Camp Smith or Camp Tarawa or, or things like that. And uh, so we're driving around and he's showing me different things, showing me the shore batteries uh, around uh, around Pearl Harbor and Hickam. And uh, so the next time I'm uh, going to go see where those radars were actually put in. Uh, those that private, right? And that I think the other guy was a sergeant that were up there, and yeah. uh, so very cool stuff. But I mean, to me, uh, a sacred, sacred Navy place for sure. And yeah. then Luke McConnell sends me a text. My grandmother was at Pearl Harbor. She had married my grandfather. At, she met him at a dance at Mare Island in San Francisco. Right, wow. he's he's a JG or something, and they get married and they get sent to Pearl Harbor. He said, "Could you find out where the the Navy base housing was for the ships?" So I asked the historian. He said, "She was either on Fort Island, holy cow, <laughs> right, no or she right was, there. or she was just outside the gate because that's the way the Navy built their housing. I mean, guys walk to work, right? right. It's not like they yeah, got mom, in their cars. My mom was and, there. My yeah. mom was at Pearl Harbor." And my grandparents. That's right. You're telling mm-hmm. I mean, China, Where were they? Yeah, they were. Um, I, they were up in the house, and my uh, my grandfather was a commander at the time, a surgeon type, and he'd come from China. He'd served with the Marines in China, and uh, they were up on that what Makalapa Hill, I think it's called, or something like that. It's the same housing area where my dad was when he was chief of staff at FMF Pack. Same place. Wow. And because uh, yeah, yeah, my mom, my mom, she didn't really remember that much about it, but she certainly remembers the airplanes and uh, everybody getting excited. I wonder if the Navy could take a catastrophic kill on a on a on a surface vessel like that, and it wouldn't ruin them. I wonder how how they would sustain that. I agree. I think about these that. days. These days, I don't. I wonder if we could even do that now. Yeah. Because I, I don't. Know, I don't know. That's a cool job, though, being a base historian. I would like to be not so much the base historian, but like 
I would be the historian of Hill Street and outside of Camp Pendleton, or the, of Kinville outside of Hanson, or <laughs> Jacksonville outside of uh, Lejeune. I I know a lot of I know a lot of urban legend about all those places. I've actually been involved in some urban. I think it would be good. I could have it like on the History Channel, you know. Yeah, you could do like your own like. I won't say X-rated version, but certainly R-rated version of mail call. Mail call. Hey, Marie, Jeff Kenny here with you. We're going to take you down to Hill Street. We're going to go to Alongapo, the stuff of legends, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think my girl's a vegetable was just a Jody? We're going to tell you the real story about that now. We're, this shit river. Take we're going to take you where dreams become reality here in the Philippines. <laughs> the um, Yeah, there's a market for that, Jeff, I'm sure. I'm sure. No, but uh, again, I, I, I go back in a month, and, and we'll go to a different part of the island, but um, no, I mean, for me, I mean, really cool. I mean, you sit there and you look at that, and those guys went out for the duration. And, uh, You're absolutely right. It is like I was there one day on a tour with Lori when we were on our way back from the Mew, and uh, th- so the wives could come out. And uh, one day, and I'll tell you, I'll never forget it, going to the Arizona, going around that little – and seeing how close, like you were saying, Fort Island's like a spit away from, uh, you know, the – I mean, it's just uh, – and that's where the Arizona – you know, right. got destroyed. So right. Somebody, you know, I, can't, I was talking to Dave Furness and he was telling me, he said, you know, my first Mew, we manned the rails as the Bon Armour Shard came into Pearl. Yeah, so, that's right. We did. And he said, he said, I still get chills thinking about that. When you, he said, when you, you're, you're moving past the Missouri and the Arizona and you're rendering honors. Oh yeah. He said, we that's that on the uh, him and I are up there together and we were like, we were like laughing so hard, we almost crying until we came into, the, and then you just shut the fuck up, you know? Because we were talking about, you know, we we're just bullshit, you know what I mean? And uh, but when we went into, when we came in there, all the troops were on the rails. We were all in Charlie's, you know. Uh, it was something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'd... All right. Somebody's got a poker game. Right. What are you reading, Will? What are you reading? Then you can go. Hey, I'm reading that book, uh, Learning War by Home. That. Uh, Oh. Leto recommended. Yeah, I finished a biography of John Jay. If you're interested in U.S. history and in uh, uh, Revolutionary War era, uh, read about John Jay. I mean, unbelievable. You know, the guy was friends with everyone, did everything, uh, could have very easily been the first vice president and the second president of the U.S. Um, so that was a that was a great book. And then this thing, this is this is technical and. Uh, this is not a novel or a history book. It's technical and deep, but uh, very well, very, uh, I think it's going to be worthwhile. Give Learning everybody. War by Trent Hone, H-O-N-E. Yeah, Mike Marletto doesn't normally recommend stuff that's for the faint of heart. I mean, uh, and, and if you guys haven't listened to his little thing on the artillery at Gettysburg, if you get a chance, do that, and I'd be curious. We could we could talk about it because, uh, um, yeah, Mike he deep dive he deep dives into the artillery at Gettysburg, and uh, he rips the scheme maneuver. It's uh, just assign it to us right now, Mac, and then we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, no, no, do it. Uh, okay, take it as an assignment because we all been up there. We, we all love history, and and that was a constant lament. In the Southern Historical Society papers, post-war, much of that defending Robert E. Lee's right, you know, reputation and his honor as a uh, as a leader of the Army of Northern Virginia, um, Mike doesn't respect that so much. Um, no, no, Mike goes where the truth leads you, and it's very interesting uh, it, when you Big Alexander fan. <laughs> well, when you look at um, when you look at how they spotted when you look at, you know, how long they were going to be able to spot effective hits, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's a spectacular visual of all these artillery pieces lined up hub to hub to hub. The problem with it is though, they obscure, they lose any ability to spot and for the rounds to be effective because of that array. And so that's just the beginning of it. But so it's, it's fascinating about 90 minutes deep diving into the artillery at Gettysburg. And uh, so it's, it, it's great. 
What are you reading, Jeff? Well, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I'm reading um, um, Horn Fisher's book about the uh, U- USS Houston, the ghost ship. Uh, the only thing I'll say that's different from all the other stuff that you were bringing up about Pearl Harbor and everything is uh, the uh, the ABDA uh, was the organization, the American British Dutch Armada, this thrown together bunch of ships there around the Java. Borneo area trying to fight off Japanese onslaught. It's interesting to me how everybody was into it. Everybody wanted to fight. They couldn't talk. Even their fla- even like the uh, the signal flag um, system was different for each navy. So they uh, yeah, it was the British navy especially. Wow. And, uh, wow. and and the whole semaphore thing it was hard for them to communicate. So even mm-hmm. though they all were into it, um, you know they, they yeah, my that, assumption they was that was they, universal. Universal yeah. sign language for ships. I thought it was too. That's what I thought too, but no. You, yeah, you read Hornfisher's going like these guys were they. So they worked. They jerry rigged this like broke dick system up of doing it, and then guys, only a few guys knew it. Then one of them would get killed, and they'd try and teach it from memory to other guys, and then they wouldn't be able to do it. And they're trying to use their radios, but nobody spoke Dutch except for the Dutchmen. So the Brits and the Americans had to have liaison officers on the ships. And and the comm wasn't reliable, so they their effectiveness was very much, uh, you know, uh, impeded by that. And that was interesting. But like, but the other stuff about the, the regular um, value of reading Hornfisher and the stuff that you mentioned, Mac, about Pearl Harbor, even though it doesn't, talk, it's not about Pearl Harbor, but the 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 whole uh, hero, heroism of the U.S. Navy and for that matter, the Brits and the Dutch too. You know, it's they're in the forefront. And again, a good appreciation for logistics, time and space, all that stuff that you don't get in most histories, but you do when you're reading Hornfisher or Toll. Got it. Timmy, what are you reading? Well, I finished that book, Unsettled, by Stephen Conan, and that was awesome. I uh, absolutely encourage everybody to listen to what Will said last week about that book if you want to read it, because he he hit it was spot on. And I and I went and I picked out of my out of my uh, my my digital library a grant by Ron Chernow to read again, because I'm I'm feeling, you know, when I think about the overall situation of the world in America and stuff like that, I'm feeling anxiety. I feel I don't pay attention to the news anymore. Matter of fact, the news often makes me angry. So I'm kind of going back to books that gave me great comfort that uh, and that explained things to me that it, it, in a reasonable way. And I've got to tell you, I read about Grant, and every time I read about Grant, I think of Festus. I tell you right now, there's, there are there are similarities between the two, not just the stature issue, but the but the memory, the Trust photographic it. memory, the ability to to come up out of nowhere with these obscure one-liners. If Jeff would only stop smoking and st- start smoking and stop talking, give me Grant. <laughs> You know, you need to just be a little bit more reticent, Jeff. Well, I, mean, I do. That's his new call sign. His new call sign. I always look at these commanders. What the hell was it? And whatever it was that animated Grant is in him, because I, I I've seen him in both of them. And and, 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 and and when you read him and you take away the peculiarities of the individual, but you look at the core. You know, what do you know Jeff for? The guy's very dynamic, very smart, di- a memory. Men love him wherever he goes. The Marines love him. What? I'm telling you, he's Grant. He's my modern Grant. So I'm reading about Grant because it makes me think about Jeff and it makes me happy. Ulysses. Not, not like a man loves a woman kind of happy Jeff. I, I, just, uh, I was going ex- to ask yeah. for a clarification. Not that there's anything wrong with that these days, but <laughs> yeah. just so you know. the uh, So new call sign, Ulysses. So Ulysses and, uh, and Timmy, uh, have a great day. Thanks for doing this. And yeah. uh, don't forget, we're doomed. All right. <laughs> We're doomed. All right. And again, Jeff, right, once man, again, day, thanks for the help. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. See you later. More of Wolverine Radio coming up next right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. <laughs> 